as we know, there's a chili cook-off, and so uh, I, I know I've got a, I've got a, a, a dead stop time of 6:30, so I'm gonna I'm gonna run through this. And so your hardship tonight may be just waiting for the chili. But I'll tell you, I'm in a hole. It's hot, and I'm angry. And with every swing, I'm trying to get rid of that anger. But it's not going away. I'm in a hole and I'm wrestling with God. And I'm asking questions. And I'm not getting answers. Let me back up. You see, a month earlier, we had just found out that Gina was pregnant with our first child. And we were so excited. And so we called our parents and let them know, hey, we're, we're expecting, we're excited, they were excited. And then they said, okay, we know you're in busy mode, it's summertime, things are crazy. We know that she, Gina, is supposed to go to Mexico with you on the high school mission trip. We don't think she should go. So we said, well, we've prayed about it. We thank you for your concern. We've prayed about it. We feel like God's telling us, yeah, it's okay for her to go, to go on the trip. And I don't know why, maybe the, God was working on us and needing to teach us a lesson. We didn't know it at the time. So we set out on our trip, on the bus ride to Mexico. When we get to the hotel and we check in, Gina comes to me and she's crying and she's saying, I'm bleeding a lot. So we call our doctor and, and the doctor says, sounds like you're having a miscarriage. And there's nothing you can do. There's nothing we can do about it. So I'm in this hole and I'm wrestling with God. And I'm banging away at the dirt and I'm asking him, why? Why? Here I am, a minister for you. And you're going to give me a blessing and then take it away? Why? And I'm asking these hard questions. And we're sitting there and we're, we're digging a hole that's, that's four foot wide by four foot long and four foot deep. So we're building the foundation, and there's no cover, and it's just hot. It's about 95 degrees in Monterey, Mexico. We're building a foundation for these beams to go in, and it's hard work, and it's hot, and I'm getting angry. In fact, I just got through yelling at a few teenagers for hitting me in the head with a rock. Things were not going well. So I jump back in the hole, and I'm just pounding away, and normally... The more I exercise or do some physical manual labor, that tension and that stress and that pressure goes away, but it's not for some reason. And I'm just going crazy. And of course, the teens are like, wow, he might actually kill us. And I'm just going and going and going. And I finally stop to take a breath. And a cloud comes over and covers the sun. And I feel this gentle breeze start to blow. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying, you give and take away 
you give and take away, but blessed be your name. Then I start crying. (laughs) And of course, by this time, the teams are going, okay, he's angry now, he's crying, he's losing it. Someone get him out of the heat. But I just had this revelation that, 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 that God was speaking to me, directly to me, saying, I'm going to hold you through this. And so we get back to the hotel. And Gina had not gone out with us just in case she does have a miscarriage. And I run up to her hotel room and I bang on the door. And I said, come here, come here. She comes out and I said, okay, babe. No matter what, whether we have this child or not, we're going to serve the Lord. God is God. And she looks at me and she goes, yeah. See, she hadn't gone on the spiritual journey with me. I was truly wrestling with, God, are you a loving God? And I was hurting through my trouble. When we got back, someone told us, they said, hey, we're missing a student. Uh, not that was on the trip. Um, haven't done that yet. Um, we get back and they said, we're missing a student. And I said, okay, well, sometimes she's over at her friend's house. Did you call? Yeah, yeah, we called. Can't find her. And so we, we called around, tried to get a hold of her, couldn't find her. And so we just kind of thought, okay, well, she's done this before. She'll show back up. Go to the appointment on Monday, the doctor's appointment. And that's when we hear it, that heartbeat of our child. And it's just, yeah. I mean, we're like, thank you, God. Just relief and excitement just pouring through us. And the doctor's like, I don't know what happened. Sometimes this stuff just happens. I'm like, okay. In fact, it's our first child. It's Bryce. And we believe God has great plans for him. We know he does. We know his heart. And we're excited to see what, what God's going to do through him. So I'm going back to the church, and I'm on cloud nine. So excited. And I walk through the door. And of course, no one knows that we're pregnant at this point because we're only about two months pregnant. We haven't been telling people. And so I walk through the door, and they said, how is everybody? And I said, what? I said, you don't know? I said, no, what? They found Ashton's body. She's been murdered. And that pain that just washed back over me, it was like a punch to the gut. Here is a 16-year-old girl that I've walked through many trials with loved on her, seen her grow in her faith. And to hear this news was devastating. So I get in my truck and I'm driving over to the church building where everybody's at. And as I'm driving over there, I hear, you give and take away. You give and take away, but blessed be your name. And when I walk in and I see our students and I see the family, all I can do is hug them cry with them, tell them I love them, tell them God's with us and he's not letting go. So how do we overcome trouble and hardships in this life? Jesus tells us in John 16, 33, 
Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus told us, we're going to have sorrows and trials. And if you've lived any amount of time on this earth, you have seen what that can be. Whether it is someone trying to take revenge and drive through a pack of bikers, whether it's a man that is enraged and taking out his anger on a church in New Braunfels, we have seen sorrow in this world. And that's just recently. But in your own life, in my own life, there's been troubles, there's been hardships. But we get to decide how do we respond? We can decide to become bitter and hard hearted and angry, or we become better moldable and shapeable by a God that never lets go. A God that loves unconditionally and never lets go. You know, the Bible is full of of people that have endured hardships and trouble. I think of Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his own brothers. I think of Jeremiah, who was thrown down a well for proclaiming God's good news and warnings to the people. Joseph and Mary had to flee to Egypt to protect the Savior of the world. Peter and John were beaten and imprisoned for preaching the gospel. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome this world. We're going to be in the book of James tonight, and you need to know a little bit about the author of James. He's identified as the brother of Jesus. He's known as a pillar of the church, according to Paul in Galatians 2, 9. He was a leader in the early church, according to Acts 15, 13. You know, being the brother of Jesus and seeing your own brother crucified and risen, you can tell James is someone that understands hardships and trouble. In fact, he's writing to a people, to a church that has been persecuted for their faith. So he's writing to a people that knows hardships and trouble. Let me start us out in verse 1 here of, of James And let's just see how he addresses it. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. So why are they scattered? Because persecution has come. And they're trying to flee from being killed where they can no longer worship in the synagogue. They're running for their lives and they've scattered out among the world. And as we know, there's a reason why God has scattered them so that his message will go to the ends of the earth. If you'll turn to James 1, 2 through 8, follow along with me as we read through our passage tonight. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person who uh, with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. So our first takeaway this evening from James is to find joy in the midst of our trials. 
One of the difficult things with finding joy is we, we get joy and happiness many times mixed up. You see, happiness is that feeling or that emotion of jubilation when, when something goes our way. So like if your team wins or you get the promotion at work, you're going to find happiness. You're going to have that emotion of happiness. But when we're faced with troubles and hardships, you may not feel happy, but you don't have to feel happy. You don't need to pretend that you're happy about what's going on and the circumstances you find yourself. God is calling us to have a positive outlook, to find that joy that goes beyond happiness, beyond an emotion, to know that we are not alone, to know that we have a God in others that have been through trials, that we have a that we have a chance to let our faith grow through these troubles and become more of who God is calling us to be. Did you know that when you exercise, your muscles actually get tiny tears in them that causes pain and soreness? That's how your muscles get bigger. That's how you get stronger. So if our physical muscles must experience pain to grow, maybe we shouldn't be surprised that our spiritual life must encounter that as well. In fact, would we really understand happiness or joy if there was not pain and disappointment? Okay, I promise. I'm not saying that I enjoy every trial that comes my way. But I know once I walk with the Lord through the fire, I see a stronger faith. I see a man that's starting to look a little more like the man I'm called to be. There are a number of different troubles and hardships in this world. Some we bring on ourselves, such as sin or unhealthy choices. <laughs> like when my precious little daughter Hallie decided to cut her pants this week in class and blame it on the little boy next to her. She had consequences for that decision. But in Jeremiah 29:11, <laughs> which is which is such a great verse, one that we love to, to pray over our seniors here as we send them out. When a newborn baby uh, is born, we love to read this verse over them. And it's this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. But let's back up one verse to verse 10. And Jeremiah is saying this, He's saying, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. So God's saying, I'm not done with you. Yes, you were hard-hearted. Yes, you rebelled against me, but I'm not done with you. I'm going to discipline you for a time, but then I'm going to restore you, he says, because I have great plans for you, a hope in a future. We must be cautious as we read into our troubles in life, or sometimes when we read into other people's troubles in life. Sometimes bad things just happen because we live in a broken and sinful world. But sometimes God may be reminding us of who he is in our life. It's important for us to know either way that God is not done with us, that he has plans for us, great plans, a hope, and a future. Some troubles and hardships can also be out of our control, right? There are sicknesses and injury. 
their surgery or death, other people's bad choices, accidents, a loss of a job, and so many others that we could name. When I think of someone that denied himself so that God could be glorified, I think of my grandpa Borden. He was a man that was tough, hardworking, but he had such a loving heart and he was so gentle with his grandkids. His marriage ended in divorce, not by his choice, but he decided instead of being remarried to use that time to go and serve the Lord. He then developed cancer. But he didn't stop serving the Lord. He continued to do Bible studies and studying with people that wanted to know more, doing the Jesus films and and things like that. He was a farmer and a rancher late in life. And I remember specifically one time, as I'd go down and spend a week with him in the summer, and just seeing him in pain and, and how he was dealing with it, just so humble and gentle. And I remember one time riding with him in his car, we were driving down the road, And this car cuts us off. And I remember thinking, in the justice inside of me, welling up, going, let's honk on the horn, let's yell and let this guy know that he's wrong. And my grandpa just kind of smiles and looks at me and says, man, I guess he was in a hurry. You see, he started letting those troubles and that hardship shape him into being who God wanted him to be, to being more like who Jesus is. So our pain and troubles are a time for us to learn, to learn more about who God is and how God is in control, how God is going to walk with us through trials. Tough times also help us to develop perseverance, James says. If things always go our way, would we really know if we have faith? Would we really know if we loved God? James is saying, if our faith is never tested Would you really have faith in God or in the comfort of this life? It'd be like a team that practiced but never played the game. In fact, I had a student one time come up to me when I was an intern at a church in Dallas. And he came up to me and he said, I'm going to play football at ACU too. I said, man, that's great. I said, I knew he didn't play on the high school football team. I said, well, so are you... Are you going to try out for the, you can get on the high school football team? Or he said, no, my dad and I go in the backyard and I play catch and I'm really good. At that point, I was thinking he must be sizing me up thinking, if you can play ACU college football, then I can play football there. See, he didn't understand discipline. He didn't understand commitment, what it took to be a collegiate athlete at the next level. We must train in our walk with the Lord, much like an athlete. So when challenges come, we're ready to stand with the Lord, to stand on His truth, not by what the world says in its knowledge and its ways, but on the wisdom of the Lord. In fact, next James says, what do you need? You need wisdom. If you're lacking wisdom, ask God who will give it to you generously. I think we confuse wisdom and knowledge many times. Because you can know a lot about God. You can know a vast knowledge of things in this world. But a wisdom from the Lord is so much greater. In fact, Solomon says in Proverbs 2, 1 through 4, he says, My child, listen to what I say. Treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. 
Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Wisdom is a source of truth and strength as we walk with the Lord. It's one thing to know about God, but to know Him, to seek His counsel, to know His wisdom and His ways are far more valuable and will bring peace in difficult times. You can know your situation, but wisdom will help you with discernment from the Lord as you walk through your trials. Wisdom begins with respect for God and who He is. Then it leads to a right living with Him and results in increased ability to tell right and wrong. Wisdom comes when we're willing to lay down our self-centeredness and focus on His heart for us and for others. The world wants to blame God. It wants to hate God and say, see all this stuff. See these calamities and these hardships and these trouble, these disasters in the world. There can't be a loving God if this happens. We were on a spring break mission trip to Colorado, going around asking people, do you know God? Do you believe in God? And I remember talking to a, a gentleman, and I said, do you believe there's a God? And he says, looks at me and says, I don't know, but if there is, he's an angry woman that's out to make my life miserable. Which sounds kind of abrasive until we started learning more about his story and found out that he had just lost his father. And in that pain, feels like God, if there is a God, he's not loving because of the trouble in my life. Because a loving God can't let this stuff happen here on earth. But God knows us. And in wisdom, in his wisdom, it'll declare that we only survive and thrive in these trials through his grace, through his love, through his understanding. That he is a God that knows us. That he is a God that cares for us, loves us, and wants us to know him more, to trust him more, and ultimately to be like him. Finally, James is saying, believe and do not doubt. Not just in the existence of God, but also in the loving care, wanting what is best for you as dearly loved children. Hold on to God, and he will make you stronger. He will develop a perseverance and a wisdom, and ultimately your faith in God will become stronger. Troubles and hardships allow our faith to grow. One example of this was found in Zechariah 4, 6-7. It says, Then he said to me, and I love this, this image of, of the mountain, because I'm going to go here in just a minute and talk about what Jesus says about a mountain. But it says here, this is God talking uh, through Zechariah, and he says, This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him, and when Zerubbabel sets the final stone on the temple in place, the people will shout, May God bless it, may God bless it. You see a big problem or a big mountain maybe standing in the way of us walking up to God and drawing closer to God. It could be a way for us to develop more spiritual virtues, or discover more of our potential in the Lord when we see these mountains. It could be a reminder of who is in control and to give our strength to Him 
each day. Whatever the reason, we must learn to hold on to our Lord. For when our faith increases, God gets the glory and we become more like him. In fact, when James talks about this, this testing here, many times it gets portrayed of what happens with silver in a silversmith. Because the Greek word here for testing is pure. So what happens with silver is they take the silver and they put it in the pot. And they heat this cauldron up. And what happens when it gets hot enough, those impurities rise to the top. And the silversmith scoops out the impurities and gets rid of them. Then he heats it up again. And then he scoops out the impurities. And he does this over and over and over again. And here is how he knows when the silver is pure, when it's been tested, is when he looks in and can see his reflection. Get that? James is saying when troubles and hardships come our way, it is a chance for God to purify our faith. He is in control. He is not testing us in the sense of passing a test, but in the sense of making our faith complete in him. That we'll be able to stand up in this world and declare that there is a God, there is hope, there is a Savior, and his name is Jesus. Tonight, if you're blaming God and fighting against God because of the hardships in your life, pray for wisdom. Pray for a faith that is tested. Pray for a faith that is pure. For a faith to increase so that your loyalty is not divided between this world and God's kingdom. Lay it down and let him see his reflection in you so that the world may see that reflection and praise our God. I want to end tonight with Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Let's stand as we praise our mighty God together. Yes.